0: I always tell people with our foundation, I, both of us never went to school to learn how to run a foundation or a nonprofit. We follow our heart. If I'm wrong because I'm following my heart, then I will fix that mistake. But as long as we follow our heart and continue to do for Allison and try to help people, I don't think you can go wrong.
1: Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hello, and welcome to the Food Allergy in Your Kiddo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alice Hoyt, and I am honored and humbled and very excited to be joined today by two people who have become very good friends of mine, um, good friends personally and also professionally um, through my work with Code Anna. Today, we have Michael and Becca Sui with the Allison Rose Foundation. Hey, y'all. Hi Alice.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: We're so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you guys. I mean it's kind of been a long time coming. Uh, I remember talking with you guys last summer when I started the podcast and you know we've been working on a lot of activities together for um, for a while now. I think since 2018. Is that when we first met,
2: first met Becca? 2018 yeah and that Concourse in the Cleveland Clinic building in Independence, Ohio. Yes. Yes,
1: yes. And um it was magic from the start. We I knew when I when I met you and I knew also after meeting you, Mike, um, or Chief Suey, so fire chief, we'll get into that. Um, that you guys were you're you're special and the work that you're doing is very special. Um, and so when I started the podcast, I'm like, I've got to have the Sueys on, but I think we've been working on so many other things that, um, it it's only now that, that we're getting to this. So I'm so glad to have you guys on.
0: We talk so much all the time. It's like our whole life's a podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff today about the cool activities that, that, uh, we're doing and, um, kind of before I get into that though, I really want our listeners to hear, um, why you guys started this amazing organization, the Alice and Rose foundation.
0: Sure thing. Um, my name is Mike Suey, obviously, like Alice said, I'm fire chief of a suburb in Cleveland, Kyguide's fire department. Um, have three children. Oldest, Allison, was diagnosed with a food allergy as a toddler. Um, When Allison was diagnosed, her pediatrician gave us an action plan that if she ingested her allergen to give her Benadryl, wait and see if that didn't work, give her an EpiPen. Obviously, nowadays, we know that is not the correct action plan. Um, Allison graduated high school in 2017, went off to Ohio University, which is in Southern Ohio, Um, And it was the happiest we truly ever saw Allison. She was down there studying early childhood education. She wanted to be a teacher. I was fortunate enough to go down for dad's weekend that November and had the most amazing time with Allison. Um, Spent all day Friday and Saturday with her doing all kinds of great things. Saw why she was truly so happy in Athens. Uh, Said goodbye to Allison that Saturday night and didn't realize it'd be the last time I would be with her. I got a call from one of her friends that evening saying she was having an allergic reaction. Being a fireman now 25 years for me to get that kind of call and her being, living with food allergies for almost 18 years at that point, it wasn't a big deal for her either. We, I said, give her Benadryl, she'll be okay. And then I heard the word CPR in the background. And at that moment, my life and my family's life had forever changed. Uh, I met Allison at the med center in Athens where she was brought by paramedics. Um, she was unconscious made the decision to have her transported north to Columbus via helicopter, where unfortunately, after a few days there, due to lack of oxygen, Allison lost her life. Um, On the drive home from Columbus, Beck and I talked about everything and anything, but most importantly, about how we wanted to figure out a way to honor Allison. And we realized that this very preventable thing could be prevented with some proper education so about a year later, we launched the Alison Rose Foundation.
2: Yeah. And the rest, the rest, as they say, is is history or just beginning, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would definitely say just beginning um, with you guys,
1: um, you know, hearing your story and I've heard it many times now, but it's always just mind boggling to me what y'all went through and continue to deal with. Um, as I can only imagine that the loss of a child is, is never something that is ever truly behind you, but what you're doing about that and that you're using that experience, um, and trying to prevent that from happening again, trying to prevent other families from going through what it is you guys went through and are going through and, um, I can imagine that a part of you, it can bring joy because you know that you're honoring your daughter, but a part of you, it's also, I'm sure very difficult. And um, I'll tell you sometimes when we're having discussions and I I mentioned earlier that uh, my organization Code Anna works a lot with the Allison Rose Foundation. And um, every now and then I've gotten choked up talking with you guys and One of the things that's very special in working with you is that it is so, so near and dear to your heart. And so even though we're, we're all, we're running these organizations and we have very tactical approaches to things, it's still, there is tremendous heart, um, in the Allison Rose foundation and what you guys are doing in the state of Ohio and soon to be nationally is it's just amazing to me. Um, I mean, you guys are awesome. So I, I do kind of want to talk about some of those activities, um, that, that, I mean, I remember, you know, when, when we first started talking Becca, when we were sitting, um, having coffee down there in independence, Ohio, I love that practice, by the way, um, talking about, next steps and education. And, you know, what do food allergy families need? So talk now sort of take us through what did it look like when y'all decided in that car ride home in 2017 to launch the Allison Rose Foundation? You did that in 2018. Talk a little bit about that time. And then I'll ask you to talk about, okay, once you launched
2: to now, sure, and we'll talk about COVID too. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes, yes, hot topics, um you know, you said something very interesting, Alice, when you were talking about the Allison Rose Foundation and how there's so much heart involved, and that was extremely it was almost subconsciously intentional, if that makes any sense, because what we have done even just, um, you know, outside of programming and activities is that we've allowed so many people who actually never even knew Allison to get to know Allison. And sometimes it's, you know, quite shockingly like, takes us by surprise and makes us gasp a little bit that some of these people, including yourself, that we are so, so close to and know so much about our story and they've never even met Allison. So um, that's very humbling. And at the same time, it's very rewarding because one of the biggest goals for us in launching the foundation was to continue to do for Allison and honor her. And that really exemplifies that when somebody like you thinks about that and feels like you know her her so well, despite the fact that you never had a chance to meet her. Um, But, you know, when we were on that car ride and in that car ride on the way home from Columbus, you know, both Mike and I separately, we both said to each other, we need to do something positively. We cannot let this define us like in a negative manner. Similar to how Allison was living her life with food allergies, not letting it define her in a negative manner. So we she want. She wouldn't want that. <laughs> no, she would have never wanted that too. She was extremely happy. She wanted, she was going to school for early childhood education to help people yep. and to educate people. And, you know, we wanted to continue doing that for her and, you know, giving her a legacy that she deserves. So, you know, that first instinct of education is really the flagship of the Allison Rose Foundation. It um, is what we felt was lacking, at least from our experience as food allergy parents, especially as children are transitioning to that next phase of independence. Um, for Allison, that was college we understand that there are many levels of transition to independence throughout Mm -hmm. a child's life, whether that's going from elementary school to middle school, from middle school to high school, from high school to college or wherever that's taking you. And Mm -hmm. even after that, when you go out into the real world. So your support system and your, you know, pods are changing all the time Mm -hmm. and you have to re-educate them, especially as you move forward in different ways. And we didn't feel like we knew enough to be able to share that knowledge with Allison to make sure that she was doing that educating and that advocacy on her behalf. So that we,
0: we also felt there was a lack of education as we look back for food allergy people her age. I feel like that people 10 years younger, 20 years younger now are more educated because of people like Dr. Hoyt.
2: Absolutely. There weren't. There, first of all, there aren't enough allergists in the country anyway, right? Um, that's a very small percentage of clinicians in the country. But specializing in food allergy, that's even more of you know a novelty to find is mm-hmm. is an allergist who's specializing in food allergy. And and we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, in terms of our you know who we collaborate with in terms of a medical advisory team. But the fact that there were no food allergists to diagnose and to provide guidance for parents when people of Allison's age were diagnosed is something that um, is really proving to be a detriment, you know. And the way science
0: changed too. her action plan being Benadryl and epinephrine. And now, obviously, it's epinephrine only. And that is science changed. Treatment changed.
1: Right. and part of that too, and our, my listeners have heard me talk about this before is sort of the timeline of the uptick and food allergy. Um, you know, the uptick in peanut allergy was first noticed in the late nineties. And from there is when we began having more and more kiddos being diagnosed with food allergy. And Allie was sort of in that earlier group of sort of this is a thing people have food allergy but there certainly were not the clear recommendations that there are today there wasn't the data on recognize anaphylaxis and promptly administer epinephrine to provide the best possible outcome that wasn't there things like oral immunotherapy were not at all there right so it's the the landscape of food allergy has tremendously shifted and we are working a lot with um, when our organizations collaborate and working with schools, which we'll talk about, it is working with a lot of folks who, you know, if they're in their late 30s and older, they're part of that generation that says, "We didn't really have kids with food allergies in our school," um, or "I didn't know a lot of people with food allergies growing up." And so, it is a, a an educational opportunity, for lack of a better term. To provide them with evidence based information
2: of what food allergy really is, because they didn't have that growing up. That's exactly right. And then, you know, to building upon that point, those children who are part of that uptick, you know, like Allison, their parents, you know, AKA us, we felt like we needed to be the pioneers for parents who are coming up behind us because. We don't want them to have to experience what we experience. So let's make this education mainstream in.
0: For everybody with their food allergies. Yeah.
2: In any way, shape or form for children, for parents, for.
0: Everybody and anybody. Yeah. Because it affects everybody. When you dig deep enough into your circle, it, it affects you. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I know when we go to schools and we ask who here knows someone with food allergy, everyone raises their hand. Everybody. You know, if we went in schools thirty years ago and asked that, it that would not be the case. So we're dealing with a relatively new disease process, and one that, especially in the context of social media, um, there can be a lot of misinformation about, and that can create a lot of polarization. So there are a lot of challenges when educating on this topic from sort of multiple
2: directions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, that's an important point is the misinformation that can be out there and how important it is to have physician driven evidence based information and Mm -hmm. guidance from the experts. And that's how, you know, we've built Mm -hmm. Our food allergy, educational curriculum. And our you, relationship.
0: And our relationship.
2: <laughs> I was going to say with you, with Dr. Hoyt, with Code Anna, with the rest of our medical advisory team to make sure that we are providing not only the most accurate, but the most up to date information. Because as Mike mentioned, science has changed over the years. Science is going to continue to change. And as long as we're working with the right people who we know we are,
0: we can get the right information out.
2: hmm.
1: So let's take a step back because I want our listeners to definitely understand what the Allison Rose Foundation is and what your mission is. And I know that you're dedicated to changing the lives of food allergy families through education, awareness, research, and advocacy. And you, from 2017 to 2018, were in the planning phase and then 2018 you launched. So in that 2017 to 2018 time period what what were some things that that you were thinking about to really sort of solidify on on that mission statement? Hi there. This is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right. We are now offering food allergy office hours for parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt.
2: Well, we had to figure out what I think our differentiator was going to be. I mean, there are so many wonderful food allergy organizations out there, and you know, we all – have the same mission of wanting to make a difference and change the lives of food allergy families. So how is the Allison Rose foundation going to differentiate ourselves? And, you know, our main focus was education. And really the biggest thing was who was going to educate
0: and who we were going to educate. Like we had to take the education aspect and say, we can't educate everybody at the same time. So what specific group are we going to start with? And that's when we started with people we thought would be high school seniors, but it actually has become teens, Mm -hmm. young adults, middle, high school, college age kids.
2: Yes. And again, that goes back to aligning with the transitioning to independence and feeling like that's where the most need was. Elementary school, everybody needs food allergy education there's more of an opportunity for additional supervision and more intensive supervision. The younger ages where parents are chaperones and room moms or dads, and they're more, they have those opportunities to be more involved. As the kids get older, they don't want their parents involved. Food allergies aside. (laughs) Right. So they need to be equipped and their support systems, whether that's peer Teacher, parent, coach they need to be equipped as well. So that's where we really focused our attention was on that age range of teens um, transitioning to independence. And then the other portion of that was who can deliver the message that these teens are going to listen to? Because that's a challenge, too. I mean, we've all been teenagers. You know, nobody wants to spend their days listening to a talking head that we
0: had. Yeah, and we we had the message from the experts. We just had to figure out how to get it delivered.
2: Correct. And when we thought about who best to deliver that message, who had who is a medical professional who understands what it's like to be first on the scene in an anaphylactic emergency, and who, as I like to say, has an element of celebrity, um, we realized that they were right under the tip of our nose and part of our family already in firefighters and paramedics mm-hmm. and it made no sense to, you know, look to our network and our family and see who may be interested in helping to deliver that message. And, you know, it turned out that it was extremely receptive. We have, you know, a team now of almost 30 Firefighters and paramedics, you know, medical professionals who are going into schools and going online um, in these times to schools to educate students, faculty and staff. It's not just kids, but it's teachers, it's transportation departments. In some cases, it's school nurses because, you know, there is additional education and updated science that needs to be shared with school nurses. So, um, It's really become an amazing recipe that we've been able to deliver to, you know, more than 60 school districts in Northeast Ohio and universities as well.
0: And it allows us to grow to having those firefighter paramedics since we are everywhere as we grow. They're everywhere. So they'll be able to help us spread that message.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a very unique Um, approach. And for the listeners, let me just clarify, basically the Sueys wanted to educate people about food allergy. And there, we've had multiple discussions about like, okay, who is our target audience? Because even though when we're collaborating, it's, it's about food allergy and anaphylaxis education. So many times when we have different opportunities, we have to come back to like, what is our mission? Who are we trying to to reach who's the priority. Um, and given Ali's story, we, we come back to, we want people who are going to be in that situation of seeing somebody who's having anaphylaxis to know what to do, especially in that teen and young twenties, um, age group. And so sort of combining the, the, uh, the, the medical expertise behind code Anna and also bringing in y'all's medical advisory board, which I'll ask you to name those amazing people in just a few minutes and making this really cool curriculum and model of a, a train the trainer model where we teach the first responders, EMTs, paramedics, um, Firemen and women. I know there's a nurse on the crew too. We've got allergists on the crew too. You know, we teach them how they can teach schools about food allergy and anaphylaxis, and it's so much more scalable. Um, and Becca, speaking to that that um, that era of celebrity, absolutely. When you see a fireman or a firewoman. Coming to school wearing that uniform, or you know, has the Allison Rose Foundation polo with their their patch on the side from their firehouse. I mean, you listen and you you respect that. It's also unrelated to food allergy. It's also a great way for these kids to see. Oh, that's a cool profession. Oh, look what they're doing. Um, so the kids get some professional development ideas too. Um, but tell me a little bit about. The amazing people that you have on your medical
2: advisory board, um, many of whom I know and adore. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because as we got to know all these incredible allergists, um, y'all know each other. So,
0: and you're all the same, and you're all, you're all the cut same in cut from the,
2: same in, in cut a from great the way, most amazing world yes. that there could be, and you've all worked together in some capacity. But we had these touch points separately, but yet. It was just very serendipitous and, you know, we're so fortunate and blessed to partner with all these amazing people. So of course it's Dr. Alice Hoyt, um, who like she said, has become such an amazing friend and, you know, guide to us and expert. Um, we have Dr. Dave Stukas from, who was on the podcast a few months ago.
1: (laughs) Yes, And I emailed this morning about something unrelated.
2: See it all, it's all one Crazy. Family. Um, he's with Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. We have Dr. Sandra Hong, who is the director of the Food Allergy Center of Excellence at the Cleveland Clinic, which um, we could talk a little bit about and how our organization has partnered with um, FACE or the Food Allergy Center. Dr. Hong is also a member of the Alison Rose Foundation Board of Directors we have um
0: Dr. Brian Schroer
2: Dr. Brian Schroer from Akron Children's Hospital who's amazing. He's actually going to be attending our golf outing next week, so we can't wait to see him. We have Dr. Katie Marks Kogan who has her practice Clear Allergy out in the Los Angeles area and who also is a part of Ready Set Food. Um we have
0: Dr. Ruchi doc- Gupta.
2: Re- Dr. Ruchi Gupta, yes, from uh, Lori Children's Hospital in Chicago. And she's just, you know, she's been all over the place. Sometimes we call her like the godmother of food <laughs> allergy, right? Because she she just is unbelievable. Um, Dr. Ruchi Shaw. Dr. Ruchi Shaw, who is part of Code Anna and part of the Cleveland Clinic. And we've gotten to know so well.
0: Thanks, Dale. So
2: thank you to Dr. Hoyt. <laughs> yes, that's for My sure. My pleasure. She's delightful. Okay. And Dr. Princess Agbogu from University Hospitals here in Cleveland as well. She is actually new to UH in the role of Director of Allergy and Immunology. So, you know, a lot of our docs are, you know, the heads of their allergy and immunology departments at these major hospitals. And um, we're just, like I said, so fortunate, so lucky to be in the presence of all of you amazing clinicians, and we can't thank everybody enough for all the support oh. and the guidance that they've provided to the organization um, since 2018. I always
0: say it's so hard sometimes to get a doctor's appointment, but I can email or text any of you and get an answer like that day. It's that's how great you guys are about giving your time to an organization like us. Yes, it's amazing. Well, it's
1: um, it's our pleasure to work with a family who is so dedicated to. Um, really dedicated to our specialty um, and in a, a different way than we are, you know, we're cl- we're clinicians um, in my coat, wearing my coat, hat. I'm a, definitely an educator and advocate, but definitely come a, come at it from a very different way. I have a, I have a different perspective that you guys have. And that's why I think we really have lightning in a bottle when we work together. Um, and I just, I, I value working with you guys so much. Um, so take me through, I know a lot of the programming that you guys do, um, yeah. but kind of list off <laughs> for our listeners, like the, uh, the amazingness that you guys have going on.
0: Go ahead. Um,
2: <laughs> go ahead. Well, no, Tell I'm that.
0: trying to think <laughs> about going back. I want to try to go in order so we don't miss anything. So we launched the foundation with the initial thing being education, which before COVID and even during and now after has been growing throughout the state of Ohio and sometimes beyond, um, like I said, in universities and schools. We then, our next initiative was to raise money for naming rights to the observation room in the Food Allergy Center of Excellence with with the Cleveland Clinic. Which
2: Which is a very special initiative because, you know, as I'm sure your listeners can relate, you know when food allergy patients go into the doctor's office to the allergist's office to do food challenges or things they need to wait and be observed and for a long time especially at the Cleveland Clinic observations were being taken place you know in exam rooms where you know you have to entertain yourself and you're just by yourself or you your know child. with your family <laughs> or your parent um and so The Food Allergy Center of Excellence created this beautiful observation room right at the front of the Food Allergy Center where everybody can interact and engage and, you know, take part in activities. And the patient
0: still observed. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, they are being observed at the same time because the nurse's station is yes. right around the corner or right where they can be seen. And through our fundraising, we were able to get the naming rights for that room, which is called the Allison Rose Foundation Observation Room. So that it's very heartwarming and we're very proud of that. Um, the other big thing that happened this year in 2021, just in January, was that the Allison Rose act was passed in Ohio um, Congress.
0: Yeah, it was, we made law, which when we were doing it, we didn't realize, I mean, I think back Alice, to when we were talking originally about like, we should do this, what should we do?
2: Mm-hmm. From a bill Yeah, or law and, and to trying
0: to get some legislation passed to it happening. Like we were doing it. I didn't realize that we were making law. Like it, it's so cool to think back, like, in middle school, learning about how that happens, and then we did it. <laughs> and
2: what, what is the Allison Notice Act?
0: So it it promotes, encourages schools to have food allergy education. It provides schools yearly or annually with a list of um, organizations that will provide free epinephrine auto-injectors to schools. It also allows food allergy education to serve as continuing ed- education for teachers and educators. Um, and it's just a start. We look to grow upon this. Uh,
1: and what's my favorite part of it, Mike?
0: Oh, (laughs) yes. Like kind of like was in there. Like we wanted it so bad. It just kind of went in and we'd have to worry about it. Was that, um, you tell them,
1: um, a lot of times when stock epinephrine is made available to schools and for listeners stock epinephrine is an epinephrine auto injector prescription that's actually written out to the school like independence high school as opposed to written out to a person like written out to mike suey um so it's written out to the school it's called stock epinephrine because it's epinephrine stocked in case of emergency and many times in legislation school personnel are indemnified um The whoever's providing the prescription is indemnified. Everyone's indemnified except the prescriber. Oftentimes, the prescriber gets forgotten. And so, um, when I talk with my colleagues across the country, when a school reaches out to me and I'm trying to get someone to write a stock epinephrine auto injector prescription, then I always get, well, am I going to get sued? And so, I have to look at the law, direct them to the law, encourage them to talk with their legal counsel. but ultimately, um, in the Allison Rose Act, there is indemnification for prescribers so that prescribers who, out of the goodness of their heart, are writing the prescriptions for stock epinephrine for schools are indemnified against potential liability, which um, seems like, you know, who who would sue a doctor over trying to do the right thing? But we all know that these are crazy times and we all know that, Doctors are concerned about legal issues like that. So um, it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing um, piece of legislation. And you were about to to talk about building on it.
0: Well, and it's funny you say that. I just had a school nurse reach out to me today about their school being worried about the stock epinephrine prescription. And it was so awesome to say, look at the Allison Rose Act.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> No, I we, love it <laughs>
0: we're looking to make it. So maybe schools making it easier. I don't want to say mandate, but having stock epinephrine in schools.
2: Mm-hmm. So many
0: schools don't have it. Um, we find out some schools have it and they don't know about it too, but that's a whole nother.
2: And the only, the only thing that you need in order to get stock epi is a prescription. Right? And, training. and training. In the state of
1: Ohio, all States are different. Um, and you can go to Codana, listeners can go to codana.org and look at the, um, the map we have of legislation regarding epinephrine in school, stock epinephrine in school. But in the state of Ohio, uh, stock epinephrine is divided into either school or non school entities. And if you're a school entity, then the state leaves it to the school district to decide their food allergy and epinephrine policy. So if the school district says, we want the Allison Rose Foundation and Codana to come in and teach our staff how to recognize and respond to anaphylaxis and use that epinephrine auto injector done.
0: Yeah. And one of the, I, you said this, and we didn't mention this, the education we do for all the schools is free of charge to the schools. We fundraise and get donations and apply for grants to make it that schools don't have to pay for this education because it's very important to us that they get it. And we don't want it to be a burden on them financially to have to get that.
2: Yeah, and what's really um, to build upon that, you know, and the Allison Rose Act is, you know, the encouragement of food allergy education in all schools is part of that Allison Rose Act, and the fact that we can provide that education free of charge makes it a perfect fit, and Mm -hmm. it allows these schools to have easy access to the training that they need. Yeah, Mm because we
0: encourage it, but we give you a solution to that, quote, problem of having to get the you don't have to seek it out
2: on your own and risk misinformation online you know we have that credible source right here with the Allison Rose Foundation and codana food allergy mm-hmm.
1: yes. and that's what the act also says is that the food allergy education needs to involve a board certified allergist which is so helpful uh to make sure that organizations are providing evidence-based information to schools and that schools are receiving evidence-based food allergy information. Yes.
2: Yes. So that I mean those are probably the three biggest thing that things that we've been able to accomplish in our less than three years of being having launched. Um, But we think the best is yet to come. Of course.
1: Oh absolutely. And and working to scale the work that we're doing with the state of Ohio so that we have more trainers in more places um, so that there can be an online component for teachers to learn about this, which then we hope will then encourage teachers to get us to come in and and actually talk with their students, um, which is always so fun and Energizing to me when we actually get to go in there and and go in person and hear the questions and you know have the kids come down and interact and um it's it's very rewarding it's very fulfilling and to do it with with you guys is it's a very special experience
2: and I know that that's one of the biggest things that our instructors have missed over the past eighteen months is being able to be in the classroom with the students and the teachers and engaging and being interactive. And we we did pivot. We were able to pivot our curriculum to make mm-hmm. it a remote option that was still engaging and interactive, but there's nothing like in-person learning.
0: No, going to the different schools and even the universities. It's just such a cool to... If I could go back and tell my guidance counselor that I taught in a college classroom, they'd be like, you taught a college classroom, seriously. But it's so cool to do it's it's so cool though it is
1: <laughs> it is it is and it is. I want to sort of wrap things up two things one you guys have your big um, fundraiser
2: next week it's the first time you're doing a golf party <laughs> <I love it. laughs> well, allison rose foundation party um, you know because we weren't able to do to host our large event which usually takes place in January where we have five to six hundred of our closest friends um, gather for an amazing evening which is always just the best night for us. Um, You know unfortunately we weren't able to gather this year so we decided to and in perfect timing because things are really starting to open up again and we're able to do this outside event and we sold out of all three, nine holes of Fowler's Mill golf course in Chesterland, Ohio. Um, we're going to have a bunch of raffle prizes and a lot of contests. We have amazing sponsors in uh, including Codana. Um, hmm. And we always want to have a presence at each of our events. Um,
0: and it draws a new crowd for us too. It's, we have a mm-hmm. lot of names. As we had people register, I'm like, Becca, you know who they are? She's like, I don't know who they are. And it's, it's going to be great to see these people and meet these people and well, it's showing continue how to share. our message it.
2: is being shared and the cause is, you know, being supported. And again, it
0: affects a lot of people. It
2: affects a lot of people. So we're really excited. We're just excited to be able to see people again, right? After <laughs> right. All and see smiles. And see yes. smiles, maskless yeah. smiles outside as they are able and comfortable. Um, so we're really looking forward to it. And that. we'll continue
0: to have our annual Yellow Brick Road celebration every January. It'll be January 29th of
2: 2022. We're on the books at the Embassy Suites in Independence, Ohio, where we can once again, yeah, have the Yellow Brick Road celebration. So we're that's
1: awesome. It's it's always very fun. Um, I want to sort of close with what what sort of advice, strategy, thought do you have for other families who want to advocate? on behalf of their child or a child that they love who has food allergy?
0: I always tell people with our foundation, both of us never went to school to learn how to run a foundation or a nonprofit. We follow our heart. If I'm wrong because I'm following my heart, then I will fix that mistake. But as long as we follow our heart and continue to do for Allison and try to help people, I don't think you can go wrong. We've made mistakes as far as accounting or, you know, filling out papers and stuff like that, but it's not, that's not what it's about. It's about helping people and following your heart and doing for your kid or kids.
2: Hmm. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly how we keep moving forward. And, you know, you started the podcast, Alice, by talking about, you know, how we are continuing to move forward despite the tragedy that we faced. And to be honest with you, for us, this has allowed us to move forward. Knowing that we can continue to still do for Allison, this is our way of still taking care of her, even though she may not be here physically. Um,
0: Just like if she was here, you take care of your kids always. And we're continuing to do that.
2: Yes. Y'all are amazing.
1: Mike and Becca Suey. it's, it's always a pre- pleasure. This was especially um, this was especially nice to have you guys on the podcast. God bless y'all. That wraps this episode of Food Allergy and Your Kiddo, the podcast. Visit me on kiddo.com and let me know what you thought about this episode. And of course, I'm an allergist, but I'm not your allergist. So talk with your allergist about what you learned on the podcast and what questions you have about food allergy. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you and God bless your family.